February 21st, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Nun Gimal Amud Bet, and we're 12 lines from the top, the second word on the line. Before we begin and continue the conversations we've been having in the Gemara the last several days, just brief words of introduction and understanding of what's going on. Uh, the way I envision these sorts of Gemarot, it's another daf and a half or so of them, is it's the fine print on packaging. Uh, generally speaking, when we're consumers and we buy the uh, food or product, we don't really read the fine print. We assume the fine print is in place, and as a result, we're getting a safe product, and we're certain that whatever the legal repercussions or circumstances that surround it are, they're fair and they're accepted because the lawyers have already looked into them. These gemarot are the fine print. In other words, these are the gemarot in which the lawmakers are telling you, we want you to read the fine print. We want you to understand what goes into building and constructing the halakha and the circumstances in the Torah as we know them. So as a result, nobody wants to read the fine print. I'm convinced even lawyers don't want to read the fine print. But it has to be there and it has to be developed and understood appropriately, even if not everyone will be looking at it and paying attention to it. So it's so too in these gemarot, this is the fine print. Harambam, for example, in his Mishneh Torah, that's his book of Halakha, leaves out all the fine print. And he makes that clear. That's his objective in doing so. So it's all the Shakla and the Gemara, all the Derashot that bring you to the punchline in the context of Halakha, in his mind, not that it's not significant, but that's not what we need to be selling to the average person. We need every person to have the bottom line, even the scholars. We want them to have the bottom line, the approach to halakha, and we want them to know what it is and how they're going to practice. When it comes to philosophy, for example, Harambam is, is, is diametrically opposed. Everything in philosophy, he writes in more than one place, is about the process, it's about what brings you there. There is no punchline, there's no bottom line in that context, and as a result, his Morena Bukhim, for example, is all about the ins and outs and different opinions that get you to why and how he's developing and discussing and interpreting the matter at hand. That's Harambam's approach to the matter. That's not necessarily, or it's, I can quite confidently say, that's not the dominant approach in the context of halakha. When it comes to halakha, for example, Chacham Badia Yosef would often remind his son now, when he came to America some time ago, made this point as well. He says, when you posek halakha, if you're a person who's determining the halakha, you can't and shouldn't just read Shulchan Aruch. If you just read Shulchan Aruch, you're just reading the final line. If you read the final line without everything, without the fine print, without the Beit Yosef which preceded it, without developing and understanding the Rishonim and the Aharonim that go into that decision, well, you're not going to be making the appropriate decision, which means to say the Mainusha, which, although tedious, although uh, difficult to, to, go, to go through and to make your way through in understanding and developing, is oftentimes very important. I will tell you even a step further than that, even though these halachot, I please God, will never be relevant to us, sleeping with a mother or a father's wife and so on and so forth. Oftentimes, it's sometimes difficult, but oftentimes, as I've mentioned, you can understand the system best through the minutia, through everything that goes into it, which means to say, if you just look at a fi finished product, you might even understand the way it works. You might. In other words, in contrast to what I just told you, if you just read Shohan Aruch, you're not necessarily knowing what to do. Maybe sometimes, sometimes you will, but you won't actually understand why you're doing it. And the why, even in practice, oftentimes is what determines how you should be doing it as well. Which means to say, just uh, by, by last example, when it comes to the Mishkan, we just read two parashot, parashat Teruman Tesaven, two parashot coming up ahead by Yakel and Pikudeh, 
And as I always say, this year specifically with two Adars is a rabbi, every rabbi's worst nightmare. It means you have to talk about the Mishkan because you can't get around it. You can't talk about Megillat Esther quickly because we have an extra month. There's no double parashot because it's a leap year, so you have to talk about the Mishkan. Of course, of four weeks, that's difficult to do. I mean, we're coming up to close enough to Purim, we can get around it a little bit. But when it comes down to you, gotta talk about the Mishkan a lot. How are you able to, why and how should we appreciate the Mishkan? But that's a point. The Torah is there and it's making that point. There's minutia here. There's plenty of it. Lots of details and tedious descriptions of not only what was there but how it came about and the instructions and then the implementations and so forth. For what reason? What's the purpose of all that? And the answer, generally speaking, is we can't give reason to it all. Why not? Because we're not there yet. We haven't, surprisingly, thousands of years after the giving of the Torah, we still haven't figured out all those details. We're distanced from such a society, from such a structure. But when it comes down to but if we actually get into it, and the Gemara from time to time will do it, and the Jewish philosophers and Jewish thinkers will do it as well. If you truly get into the nitty-gritty of the Mishkan, so you sometimes can reveal, well, what was it all about? What is this all about? What is a life and a connectedness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu all about? Which means to say, in turn, I know it's words of inspiration before we, hopefully, before we get into the nitty-gritty of these halachot and these how we make our way to these halachot, that's the general vantage point that I have. So again, there's one of two approaches. Either you skip it, you circumvent it, and you assume that it's just the fine print, and as a result, uh, we don't really need to read the fine print, or alternatively, if we're getting the whole package, it might mean that today or tomorrow we're not actually gleaning meaning, quote-unquote, to our everyday lives from these derashot, but there's the knowledge in the back of my head that there will be a here and a there, an understanding that will stand out, and even though it's in the context of shochevim eshet aviv, well, something about it will be relevant, will be understandable to us in our everyday functions and circumstances. That's the introduction to what I, what I as I mentioned, another daf and a half of these sorts of derashot. Now, today and tomorrow will be the most quote-unquote cumbersome with regards to these derashot, but there's a little bit more to go. We had some batish kohen. There's a little bit more to go in terms of the fine print of what goes into these isurim and these chive mitot betin. So again, 12 lines from the top, the second word in the line says the Gemara ki ata rabbi itzhak tane kiditnan. Rabbi Yehuda Omer eno hayav ela mishum ha'em Bilvad. If you recall, the Mishnah set forth for us a mahlok at a dispute between Biudan Hachamim. Whereas Hachamim say a person who has relations wrongfully with his mother has two violations. Number one, Eshetaav, she's the wife of your father, and number two, she's your mother. Biudan disagreed. Biudan said, There's only one violation, that she's your mother. Of course, the question was, why would Rabbi Uda disagree? When it comes down to it, she's your mother and she's your father's wife, assuming that's the circumstance. So the first interpretation we had, and we spent some time on this last week, was that maybe they're disputing a specific circumstance, a peculiar situation, in which the woman was, quote-unquote, maybe, according to Rabbi Uda, not actually your father's wife. I mean, she's not actually the father's wife. Was that maybe she was Maybe she was a violation from the Torah, and as a result, there was no kiddushin tovsin. There was no uh, the halachic marriage and engagement, such a circumstance. That was one interpretation. Says the Gemara, ki atar When bitzhak came from Eretz Yisrael, tane he had a beraita which stated explicitly as our Mishnah. 
How so? Exactly as it says. Rabbi Uda thinks and maintains that in a regular, everyday circumstance, of a person sleeping with his mother, in other words, what I mean by regular and everyday is it's not peculiar, it's not a mother who was a violation to the father, there was nothing wrongful in that relations, in the initial relations of conceiving this child, she's both your mother and your father's wife, and nonetheless, says Rabbi Uda, there's only one violation. Why should that be? Why should it be that Rabbi Uda, again, the Torah, explicitly states that there's a prohibition of sleeping with your mother and sleeping with your father's wife. As a result, why would you distinguish? Why would you say only Mishum Ha'em, says the Gemara, Amar Abaye de Amar Kera, Abaye cites a Pasuk. So the Pasuk says, we're going to be dealing with two Pesukim here in Vayikra Perek Yod first Pasuk Zayim. Pasuk says the following, Ervat avicha ve'ervat imecha lo tegale. Ervat, of course, in the literal sense, means nakedness. When we talk about Gilui Arayot, revealing nakedness, if we're talking beyond just the revelation of nakedness, we're talking about relations. Now the Torah does parenthetically mention as well, lo tikrevu legalot irva, mentions that twice, you're not supposed to even come close to gilui irvan again, means sexual relations. And it's from there that the rabbis understand and derive that even the stages leading up to relations are a violation when I'm dealing with a woman or a man who's uh, prohib- prohibited. Which we say it's not only the final act, it's also the steps leading up to it. There is a well-known dispute between Haramban and Ramban Nahmani how to exactly interpret that. Is that a violation from the Torah? Is that a violation from the rabbis? Is it under all circumstances? Does it mean a male doctor can't take the pulse of a female uh, patient? Or is it only in circumstances of hiba uh, and ta'avar, the words of Haramban, and lust and desireful situations? Important conversations to be had at the point when the Gemara will address it at least tangentially. But for now, says, says the Pasuk, it says you're not supposed to be involved in wrongful sexual relations with your mother. And it says also your father will have to ex- exactly understand what that means. But then there's a redundancy at the end of the Pasuk because then it says, she's your mother. I understand she's your mother. You just told me, don't have relations with your mother. Why are you repeating? The derasha of Abaye goes as follows. The derasha goes, he says, the reason Pasuk repeats those words, she's your mother, is to tell you, in any circumstance, I don't care if she's your father's wife and she's your mother, how could she be your mother and not your father's wife? Well, either the cases we talked about, where it was a violation, or alternatively, what if Lo'aleno, the man, raped the woman? She's not his wife, but she's still your mother. Irrespective of that, over here the Pasuk says you should know your violation is specifically on her being your mother. That's the derasha. That's why the Pasuk repeats those words. Yes, there's a violation with your father's wife. Yes, there's a violation with your mother. Will you ever have to bring two korbanot for the woman who's both your mother and your father's wife? No. How do you know? Immechahi. That's the derasha. Of course, it's an obligation, meaning a korban hatat. But wait a second, we're going to challenge you, Abaye, from the very next pasuk. The very next pasuk there. I'm reading from the side of the Gemara. So the nakedness, quite literally, of your father's wife. So far, so good. I mean, it did sound like we already talked about this, but never explicitly in the earlier pasuk. Then it says, she is, so to speak, the nakedness for your, for your father. But that, you just told me, don't expose the nakedness of my father's wife. 
That's also redundant. That's also an unnecessary repetition. Ervat eshet avicha. You shouldn't have relations with your father's wife. Ervat avicha. Why do you repeat? It's your father's. If, it's, if, if you told me that it's my father's wife, I understood it was my father's. Do you mean to say, according to your interpretation, Abaye, that we're reading these pesukim so carefully, so sensitive to the redundancies, are you going to tell me as a result, the violation in the circumstance of your father's wife is only it's only because she's the wife of your father, but you wouldn't uh, suggest that there's a violation because of your mother as well. And if, if I'm reading the Pesukim, if my sentences need to be structured and stated so carefully and sensitively that the fact that there's repetition causes me to realize that I should diminish in the obligations, I should exclude circumstances. So I have one Pasuk which tells me it's your mother, violation only because of mother if there's two options. And the next Pasuk says it's your father's wife, violation only because it's your father's wife if there's two options. Well, I'm a little bit confused now because in a circumstance of a person who has relations with his mother who is his father's wife, a regular circumstance of marriage, do you mean to tell me that there's zero violations? Well, I mean, zero violations, Rabbi. No, there's two violations. But wait a second. One pasuk told me you can only have mother without father's wife. And the other pasuk told me you can only have father's wife without mother. I'll never have two violations as one. What about if I'm facing both violations as one? It was a regular marriage. It's one thing if it was your father's wife and, uh, and, and not your mother. He has different children with her. In such a circumstance, okay, I only have such a violation. It's another thing if she's your mother but not your father's wife, he raped her. In each of those circumstances, I understand, one violation. What if it's a regular marriage? She's both your father's wife and your mother. I can't, vi- I can't give you a violation on any count. Are you serious? The most egregious act, it's one thing if she's related one way, it's another thing if she's related another way. When she's most egregious, she's related from both directions, you're telling me you're off scot-free? I mean, that defies any logic, says the Gemara. Wait a second, if you're telling me so, says the Gemara again, and now ask the Gemara, Ela Imo, rather a circumstance where it's your mother, she eshet aviv, who happens to be or who is as well your father's wife. Ka'ehacha, ka'e means to stand. You stand over here. In other words, if I peer at it one way, umemaetla, and the pasuk is giving me an exclusion, meaning it's telling you just the father's wife and not mother. Ka'ehacha, you stand on the other end. You take it from the vantage point of her being your mother, umemaetla. Hashata imo she'eno eshet aviv. Wait a second, hashata means now. Now you're telling me the mother who's not your father's wife, mehayev, you get a violation. You have to bring a korban. And on the flip side, eshet aviv, if she's your father's wife, she'eno imo, but she's not your mother, mehayev. You have a single violation. However, it's, it's ridiculous. It defies logic. Imoshi eshet aviv. If she's both your mother and your father's wife, if you have a double whammy in such a circumstance, you're going to tell me lo mehayev kelal. There's no chiyuv at all. I mean, it's ridiculous. What's that? Which one? But that's the point. Because if you tell him one, he says, no, 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 I can't get this while I'm in the same situation. That's, that, any way you go, he says, okay, so let me understand. So you're going to give me eshet imo. All right, eshet aviv. 
got it. Thank you, rabbis. And so you bring the korban, and then you say, but wait a second, the Torah says that if she's my mother, I don't do it because of Eshet Aviv. So you say, okay, you're right, so do it because of your mother. No, but so, in other words, it'll cancel, cancel each other out. That's the suggestion of the Gemara. Vetu says the Gemara, I have another question. Keep in mind, this was all predicated on a mahluk between Biudan Hachamim. Biudan Hachamim were disagreeing in a circumstance where it's your mother who is your father's wife. What's the violation? Hachamim say double violation. She's your mother and she's your father's wife. It was a Biudan says, no, 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 just because of your mother. All right, but if you're telling me this is a redundancy in the text, if you're telling me the fact that Pasuk says, Imechahi is coming to something, just because of your mother, how do the rabbis interpret those words? They also need to read every word in the Torah and be sensitive and particular about them. Ela rather says the Gemara, Hahu mi ba'ele, those words of Imechahi, which again were unnecessary extra words. We call them milim miyutarot, mi ba'ele, they're necessary not to teach us the law that we've been developing until now. Mishum imo this is the Gemara again, assuming you know what's to come, just quoting you names that are to come later on. But that, well, this is a statement later on which will state from these words that even in a circumstance where your father, where a father rapes a woman and in turn has a child with her, even though he doesn't take her as his wife, per se, in such a circumstance, there's still a violation if that child has relations with his mother. But it's not my father's wife. After all, it wasn't a rightful marriage and relationship to begin with. That's the derasha imechahi. We scream at you and we say, but wait a second, she's still your mother. She's still your mother, even though she's not your father's wife. That's a violation. That in and of itself is the derasha, which means to say for our purposes, we learned that halacha. We learned a halacha thus far. We understand then that imechahi comes to teach me that if it's a mother who's not your father's wife, still a violation. Well, that being the case, we're a little bit... Imechahi, that's it. Well, the Torah, not necessarily, because the Torah does mention, hang on a second, the Torah does mention in all one fell swoop, keep in mind, the Torah says, mm-hmm. So you may have said, as a reference to the beautiful marriage of husband and wife, where there was rightful relations. If they're not married to the extent that, you know, not married, that it was a rape, for example, and usat aviv are the words we're gonna use, or maybe there wouldn't be a violation for the child to have relations with such a woman. I know, sounds out there, who wants to do such a thing? But that's the way it works, that's imichai. Yes, it is pretty close to peshat and pasuk then, you know what I'm saying? As if it's gonna be an elaborate dirashat. No, that's peshat and pasuk. But again, for our purposes, it just leaves us further sinking in that quagmire of confusion over here. We're confused. How do we interpret the opinion of Rabbi Yudah? Rabbi Yudah's opinion is, as he made clear to us, in a circumstance where a person has relations with his mother, who happens to be, or who is his father's wife, there's only one violation. What's the violation? There's only one obligation, I should say, korban hatat, for his mother. Why so? So we couldn't, we can't figure it out. Ela amarav aha bere derav ika markera ervata. The pasuk in the singular says lo tegale ervata. Ervata means her nakedness. 
Now, you have to understand when we talk about the word erva, we're not physically describing the nakedness, we're describing the violation, the isur of erva. Gilui arayot is an isur. And as a result, if you put it in the singular, there is one erva over here, well, you're telling me there's perhaps only one korban as well. Uh, why should there only be one korban? There's two arayot. No, one second. This is one woman. No, but it's one woman with two violations, with two isurim. She's both your mother and she's your father's wife. Why would the Torah say Elvata? The Torah, although we're talking about one person, should say Elvatan, their nakedness. I know it sounds a little funny. Ultimately, the Gemara will fall off of it. You're talking about one person as if they're two. But yeah, I mean, what do you mean? People wear two hats all the time. It's a, I, got, I don't know. You know, I have an, I have an example. Uh, rabbi uh, Sachs, he was rabbi, lord, I had a whole thing. No, he's just one. He's one person. He had all sorts of appellations attached to him. Now, you're not going to necessarily, although maybe you would, not necessarily going talk to talk about him in the plural, but if you're talking about his stature, he has several, several, several statures, several stature statements. As a result, says the Gemara, that's how it should have said in the Pasuk. You cannot and should not, and if you were to, in such a circumstance, be involved with this woman, there were two ervas. It's ervatan. Why does it say erva mishum erva ahat? I'm sorry to bring Rabbi Sachs into this. Mishum erva ahat ata mehayevo viata mehayevo mishum shete arayot. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. It must be that the reason, or says uh, says, says this opinion here in the Gemara, Rava Habere de Ravika. The reason it says it in the singular for Rabbi Yehuda is to tell you, to teach you, there's only one obligation, one korban hatat as your mother. Wait a second, you're not off the, off the hook yet because the next pasuk will cite several pasukim later. I'll read it to you before we the, the, understand it in the Gemara. It goes like this. Your daughter-in-law, not allowed to be involved in a sexual fashion. By the way, when do we focus on these Pesukim of old days during the year? Yom Kippur, can you imagine? I mean, I've, no, it's an amazing thing. You know, like uh, we're struggling going through this right now. On Kippur, when we want our, our minds free for focus on the right matters, this is what we're focused on. I have on more than one occasion suggested, though, the reason we focus on this on Kippur is Kippur was, and it'll take a longer time to prove it to you or to suggest it to you, Kippur was a day on which we didn't just uh, worship God in the Mikdash. It was the day of an eradication of Avodah Zarah. Many of the Avodot of the day, getting back to Minusha, which I talked about at the beginning, are purposefully structured so that you're going against the ways of the Avdeh Avodah Zarah. Many of the things, to the, to the extent that the Se'ir La'azazel and Se'ir La'ashem, if you look into it not that deeply, and the Mifashim, the classical Mifashim already point this out, that's a polemic against Avodah Zarah, as were many of the... Even the Hachamim talk about it, Musa, do they not? The reason you're not wearing gold in, on that day when you go, Lifnai V'lifnim, is Chet Why are you talking about Chet Ha'egel? It's Kippur, what's Chet Ha'egel need to do with anything? In Kategor they're very sensitive to this fact as well. And you just read the Pesukim in the Torah and you'll pay attention, you'll notice that Parashat Ha'remot is a chock full of anti-Avodah Zarah. As a result, Darkeha Emori, the Torah reminds us this as well, you're gonna enter into heresy, so don't do like them. They're 
airways were wrongful sexual relations. It's a day in which we focus on all the things that are wrong in the surrounding cultures of once upon a time. As a result, although Kippur is this separated day, it's also a real day. It's a day on which we realize, and I, I would say, not with all the details of the arayot I'd like to think, but in terms of sexual tendencies, it's, that's, that's the realness of the day. The day still reminds us, it says, listen, you live in the real world, and we get that, and we understand that, but let's uh, purify ourselves of that. Let's not deny its existence. Let's understand the counter, uh, counter-cultural perspective of the Torah. Anyway, the Pasuk says, Always. Eretz Yisrael, that's the description in the Torah. Pasuk says, So the Gemara, the, the Mishnah, and then the Gemara and Masechim Makot and Daf Yodalit asks this question: Could you, should you have several korbanot? Keep in mind, it's not a death penalty. We will not stone and then then uh, uh, burn and so on and so on. We don't do such a thing. But for several sacrifices, korban hatat, absolutely. The Gemara counts the craziest. I forgot already. The craziest situation where you have many korbanot, and the Gemara has. You know, you guessed it. There are short in order to understand that you can have, and even if it's with a single person, the Gemara says maybe it's if it's separate actions. I did this and that at once. I have, as the Gemara, no, you can have for one action several korban hatats on Shabbat. You know, the Gemara has one of these funny situations where you, I forgot it. Remember, Jesse, Abi, you're plowing on Shabbat, which is Shemitah. I mean, there's got a whole, that's uh, many korban hatats. I've got all Bishogeg. Yeah, all right, the flips, you always make it positive for us, Musa, thank you, that's right. And mitzvot, everything, anyway. Says, says, says the pasuk, So not, no relations with daughter-in-law, says the pasuk. There's the redundant words. She is the, do- the wife of your son. I, I understand she's the wife of your son. You just told me, don't have relations with your kala. We know what a kala is. A kala in Torah terminology is not as we would say today, the bride. She's the bride of you. She's your, daughter, your son's wife. Why is the pasuk? The pasuk is not teaching little kids and telling you, by the way, that's who she is. There must be some reason. Okay, so again, a pashtan might say that's, a, that's the nature of a law system. That's how it's written. But the hachamim's understanding is those words are purposeful. What are you going to tell me? Well, if you've been following along, it should be telling me, as the Gemara is now going to think, that I should only have one violation. If there's relations with daughter-in-law, there should only be, um, violation is the wrong word, one obligation, one korban hatat. Why one korban hatat? Pasuk goes out of its way to tell you. She is your son's wife. So it means you're going to have, because of your son's wife of, of obligation, you're not going to have an obligation because she's a married woman. So if you're telling me, I'm reading every word, so carefully, if you tell me that I learned it from Irvata as opposed to Irvatan and so forth, well, I should be doing that over here. So maybe you do. Maybe if it's your, your daughter in law, you only have one obligation. We learned in our Mishnah explicitly not that way. You might recall even Rabbi Uda agreed in our Mishnah, if it's your daughter in law, you could turn back. It's the Dafnun The Mishnah told us explicitly a person who has relations with his daughter in law, both according to Hachamim and even according to Rabbi Uda, has two obligations. Kala daughter-in-law, and Eshet Ish. 
I don't understand. If I'm reading the Pesukim so carefully, so sensitively, if every word matters, if redundancies are inappropriate, then how can we change our mind over here? You need to be consistent with the way you derive these laws. Wait, what about this? The Pasuk says as well, it doesn't say it says Ervata means her nakedness in singular, for example. Are you going to tell me over there as well where it says Ervata in the singular, where it has the redundancy of Eshet bin Echahi as well? For the earlier point, are you going to tell me there as well that the halacha is one violation, one obligation? The hatenan, didn't we learn in our Mishnah? Again, in our make, we switched the taf with the shin. Mishnah, didn't we learn in our Mishnah? The hashenan, haba al kalato, hayav alea mishum kalato, umishum, eshetish, ben bahaye beno, ben lahar mitat beno. Our Mishnah said explicitly with the daughter in law, the obligation is twofold daughter in law and married woman. And Behuda didn't disagree. If that's the case, it can't be that his derasha is from Elvata in the singular, because you have that by Kala as well. Uh, so we're still stuck then. With the mother, with the mother, it doesn't talk about Eshetish, though. It only talks about... In, in, in our Mishnah? In our Mishnah. In our Mishnah. So Tosafot, having to deal with your issue on the Mishnah suggested. In the mother case, it must be talking about where the, uh, the, the father had already been deceased. And that's why it's no longer Eshetish. That's what Tosafot says. You have to explain that, otherwise it's missing from the Mishnah. Yeah, it's the Tosafot here on Dafnun Gimala Mudalev. Mishum Av u Mishum Eshetish says Tosafot. Hadela Katane Aleph Aleph Eshetish. Mishum Dehachale Halmitaire. It must be after that. It's, it's proper proper reading. It's an easy question in the Mishnah. But anyway, we're stuck here now in the Gemara again. So what's your reasoning, Rabbi Huda? You're leaving us uh, with an opinion which we just can't make sense of when we try to read the fine print. Elan, rather, it must be kevan de had gufahu. When the Torah, just for our specific issue right here, you wanted to make a diuk, you wanted to derive this law from the singular, ervata, as opposed to ervatan. Hey, you didn't give a double mention of obligations, of, of prohibitions. You just said one nakedness was exposed, quote unquote. All right, the reason the Torah talks like that, Pishat, this is very much Pishat, is you're dealing with one body. It's one person. Whose nakedness was exposed? Who had a relation with whom? There's only two bodies over here, and one body, which was the violation. Who, even though there are two violations, Ketiv Ervata, it says Ervata in the singular. By our circumstance, by the mother, uh, who's the father's wife, since it's one body, it says it in the singular as well, which means to say, for example, uh, when I'm back to my... I don't know, should I leave that example? When you go to the Rabbi Sachs example, I call him Rabbi Sachs. I don't call him Rabbi Lord Sachs and so forth. He's one person. I don't call him, uh, you, uh, 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 are you people going to come with us? I say to him in the singular. I would have said to him in the singular. Are you going to come with us? Are you going, oh, it's a singular person. You might give several obligations. You might give several appellations, several descriptions, several titles. When it comes down to it, Elvata is appropriate. But again, for our purposes, we're stuck. What's Rabbi Udaz de how did Rabbi Uda determine that Eshet Aviv, Shehi Imo, there's only one obligation to bring a Korban Hatat when there was relations with Shogeg? And that's Mishum Imo. Why 
Why so? Where do you find that in the Torah? Ela Amar Rava, we conclude it with Rava's very difficult statement over here in terms of what changed. Kasavar Biuda, Biuda's understanding must be Shava. So it goes first things first as follows. The first pasuk we were dealing with today. I'm going to read that pasuk to you again. So we had those first two words in the pasuk. Quote, unquote, the nakedness of your father. What does the nakedness of your father mean? Well, if the next word is excuse me. Uh, so, uh, so if that's a reference to your mother, I'd imagine it means your father. It means you had relations with your father. Uh, inappropriate things, certainly, but they're all inappropriate things. Maybe that's what it's a reference to. We call it Mishkav Zachor. Uh, maybe it's relations with your father, a male with his father, male. Uh, says, the, says the Gemara, no. That's not the way you read the Pasuk. That's rather Big Zera Shava. Of course, we have a linking of words, which we'll learn about here on Dafnundal Damudalaf at the top, to teach you that that's a reference not to relations with your father, but rather, what are his words? It's rather a reference to Avicha Zo Eshet Avicha. That's a reference to your father's wife. Indeed, and, indeed, says, says Musa, the, the, the reference that he's given, he's a step ahead of us. He says, the, so why does the Torah call it Irvat Avicha? It says, because it's a disgrace not only to your mother, it's a disgrace to your father. It's a disgrace not only to your, fa- your father's wife, it's a disgrace to your father directly. That's why the Torah would refer to it as Irvat Avicha. But uh, that being the case, it means our first two words in the Pasuk, new understanding. Irvat Avicha is already a reference to your father's wife. Interesting. Hold that thought. It, all violations here in the context of men. That's all the violations. The, the, the uns- and, and it's not even... And you went from that, and, was, it, and it's two, two separate references in the same pasuk. If you're a woman. If you're a man. All right, it's, it's an interesting... You have, it's not strange in the way you and I talk. It, it might be strange in the way the Torah talks. I understand. Well, the Ivad, uh, two, two things. First and foremost, we're assuming for what he, used, he said seduce. You're talking about rape, victim. Not, not, these, these are not circumstances of rape. Rape comes up in Kite, said this is consensual. All this is consensual. These, the Arayot over here, and Kedoshim and Aharemot are all consensual. Uh, nonetheless, there's two parties. Okay? And, I, and I'm telling you, we're only focused on one. Um, but, but yes, I mean, the, the, the understanding is, and you have to read it in context as we're speaking to men, ish, ish, kosher, besaro, and so on and so forth. It's, it's two men. Again, it's not to say that there's not a, an obligation the other way, but that's the, the assumption through and through of it. 
I understand. So Musa, a little bit different. Uh, you're really letting women off the hook on that one. The Gemara here on Dafa Ayin Daladamud Bet asks about Gilui not Gilui Arayot, but Kiddush Hashem. How was Esther allowed to have relations with a Hashverosh? Should have been Yehareg Vel Yaavor, which means to say it should have been something that she gave up her life for. For the Shalosh Hamurot, for Abu Dazara Gidui Arayot and Shifichut Amin, for those three violations, you're supposed to give up your life. In general, we say Bahai Bahim, you live by the Torah, you don't die by the Torah, to the extent that someone puts a gun to your head and says, do X, Y, and Z, you do it. But for those three, you don't. So, how did she have relations with the Hashverosh? Answers the Gemara, as Musa, one of the two answers to the Gemara, she was Karka'ulam, which means say the woman is passive. And as a result, but that's not a claim against Gilui Arayot. That's a claim against her having to give her life up for it. There certainly is Gilui Arayot. You might ask then, so wasn't Esther Gilui Arayot? And so, what's that? Los Torres. They were the aggressors. What I'm saying is the claim of Karka'ulam, the passive side, will not exonerate. Yes, but it's different not, you're, you're going too far, I mean, uh, women should want you as their judge, because you're going too far on this. You're arguing that nev- they never have death penalty. No, I'm telling you, you're arguing there's never death penalty. It's not so. It's only that, and this is a point, and many people, I'm sorry, it's called, make that mistake. Tosafot points this out over there on Daf Aindal. says the Gemara was never talking about Gilui Arayot. Esther, we have a separate issue. Gilui Arayot with Ahashver for trying to kosher her act. So you explain to me why she didn't give up her life. How'd she have relations? How come we didn't sentence her to death if we had a court? Tosafot suggests she was saving all of Am Yisrael, which of course is the most simple interpretation to this. But it means that Gilui Arayot, women are a part of it as well. They might not have the same active part. But anyway, that'll be in the case. The Derashah goes as follows. I will just start the Derashah again. We'll finish it tomorrow. So again, Ela Amaravah Kasafar Biudah, the first things on the Derashah. So again, just those words, just to begin the derashah, and we'll pick up from this tomorrow and finish it up. You just have to read those first words in the pasuk, and already understand, heading to the pasuk is, your father's wife, whether she's your mother or whether she's not your mother. It means, this, the, means the topic of this pasuk is father's wife. That will be critical for the continued conversation here in that. Amen, amen.